We'll be in chapter 9, starting in verse 30, or 51. In Luke chapter 9, 31, or 51, yeah. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Pedro has one. We go through verse by verse, so to stay and follow along with us, we'd love to get you a Bible. So if you need one, just raise your hand. Um, we've been going through the scriptures uh, verse by verse, and it, it's been, a, um, I, I love going through and just looking at the disciples because um, they're such children. And, and sometimes very foolish and, and um, really encouraging to me because sometimes I'm very childish and very foolish. And so um, you kind of look at uh, little children and, and the way they act. And I mean, as, as you get older, you, you would like to believe you're more and more an adult and, and less like a child. But sometimes the God, word of God reveals that. Um, other situations do too. I've, I found out recently we did um, go airsofting the group above us from the company yesterday and stuff. And um, one of the young ladies staying with us goes, "Wow, Tim really, really takes having fun serious, you know, and, and really gets into it." And so yeah, we had a good time um, shooting each other, and uh, people had a good time shooting their pastor. And I, I actually got I got a couple spots that bled a little. So it was fun though. Believe it or not, it is fun. Nobody lost any eyes or teeth, so it was definitely fun. Now, it probably scared half of you from inviting you next time, but no, it was a good time. And, um, but you, you, you look at these things, and you look at um, just kind of the way children react, in a, in a sense, in many situations. And I, one of the things that is always hard as a parent is sometimes kids just don't understand the situation, what's going on. Sometimes they'll, they'll speak out when they shouldn't and get you in trouble because they don't know what's going on. Other times it, it's really hard, especially when something tragic is happening. You know, you, you could be on the way to the hospital wondering if your loved one's alive and, and a two-year-old don't quite get the gravity of the situation. They don't understand what's going on. They don't care. They're still selfish. They, you know, you've upset their day. They're stuck in the car. You know, all these things go on and... and you know, uh, sometimes even with your adult children, you don't give them all the information, you know, and you get going. When my brother-in-law, as an officer, was shot, they, they really didn't give my sister-in-law a ton of information. She was kind of taking her time getting to the hospital. She had no clue how bad it was. You know, they said, oh, you know, he's been hurt, come down. He, he was talking on the phone. They had no clue that, you know, his, his life was in the balance. And, and sometimes... You know, we, we can misread a situation, and very much, as we kind of saw last week, we saw the disciples misreading a situation. You know, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. He turns around and says, hey, I'm going to die and I'll be raised in three days again. I'm going to be sacrificed. And the gravity of that situation, they, and they're sitting here bickering, you know. It, it's like you're running off to the emergency room to help your husband, Tim, who's dumb and hurt himself again, and your kids are fighting over the front seat. you just like, get in the car. No. But um, it's been a while since I've been in the emergency room for anything. Praise the Lord. Um, so, you know, but, you know, it's stuff like that. It can almost, like, drive you nuts as a parent. And, and I love how all through this situation, you don't see God, like, losing it, like, just cut in the car, you know, or, or anything like that, you know. And... So we see kind of as we go through, well, as we go through this again, through this passage, and we look at Luke, you're going you're gonna to see this where they just do not understand. They're, like it said before, they're just not getting it. They're not comprehending the situation. And in verse 51 here in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says, And now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, he steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem. Now, to be received up, he's going, heading to the cross. And, and you know, there, like I said, there's many times I've hurt myself and gone to the hospital. The scariest time I've gone to the hospital, though, wasn't when I was hurt. When I was hurt, the injuries happened. If anything, it might hurt a little more, but they're going to improve it. The scariest time I've gone to the hospital when I felt totally healthy, and I'm going to go have a surgery. Out of all the times, going in for a surgery when I felt fine and I didn't, you know, I, not that I don't like doctors that much anyways, 
but you know, I'm going to, you've not feeling like anything's wrong. I know there's something wrong. I know this has to be done. I know this procedure, you know, it could be horrible if I don't, but that was the worst, man. Sleeping the night before, knowing it's coming, knowing weeks off it, you know, at least this time there wasn't weeks. We had a couple days. You know, when you're waiting for a surgery, Jeff, I'm praying for you, bro. There's no way I'd be in that boat. That, honestly, I've been praying for the grace for that. It'd be driving me nuts. I'd be so worried. And here you have Jesus going to the cross. He knows he's going that direction. The, the, you know, the, the, the moments between where the, the seriousness would be sitting there. And how don't you see it on his face? You know, you, you'd wonder. And here he's going there. He's going to be given as the sacrifice for our sin. And it's amazing to think of those things and what's going on in that situation. And as he heads there, and he's going to pay for our sin. He's going to pay for my sin upon the cross. That ultimate sacrifice. And it said his face was steadfastly set. I know we don't usually use that word anymore, you know, that, that wording. And it's kind of hard. I mean, it shows up two other times in Scripture. You know, one in Ezekiel, talking about the same region, Jerusalem, says, hey, I am God, and he set his prophets steadfastly to come and judge them before they went to Babylon. Even in that, there was a promise of a remnant, but the judgment that would be coming. And something going on behind me? You shouldn't have left this up here. See this, Tony? Bad idea. I bumped it. I killed it now, too. Here, have fun. So anyways, I like to fiddle with my hands. So, um, but the, the seriousness of that, and to set fast, to set your mind to something, to set, when it says set his face, it is establishing firmly his mind on what's going to happen, what's going forward. And, and to think of that, and to think of our Savior as he's going that direction, and what's going on around him and these disciples. And, and it kinda, you can kind of get on the disciples at that point going, guys, you know, you're missing it. You're missing out what's going on here. You know, I don't know if you ever walked into the family situation, you're trying to help with the kids and you just calm down, you know. If you knew what's coming, your Messiah's there. Spend some time with them. Chill out. You're fighting over the front seat of the car. Really? The car ain't going to matter. It ain't going to exist in a little while. I mean... And you just like, you want to shake them, you know, reaching the word of God and say, wake up, you know. And many times we see these things and we look at it and, and the seriousness of it, but also the amazingness as he's going, he's going towards that. He isn't angry with him. He isn't bitter with him. He's loving towards him. He continually directs him. He goes, hey, you receive little children like this, you know, being gentle with them. And how much so many times he is with us in the same situation. When we look at those things, do we take the cross of Christ looking back at it just as serious? Do we take those things into consideration or do we start to squabble and justify our squabbling and little things in our lives? And as we go through here, we're going to have this real comparison. You're going to see the disciples and the, and the foolishness, but yet God's love. And then he comes into this and talks about what the cost of true discipleship is and how to keep our focus. And as it continues in verse 52 here, and it says, And he set, sent a messenger before his face, and as they went, they went and entered a village in Samaria, of, of Samarians to prepare for him. But they didn't receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Now, so he's going up to Jerusalem. He's on his way. There's an area of Samaria where most of the Jewish leaders avoided. They didn't like going it. They didn't like the Samarians. They go around it. So Jesus is headed that way. He sends somebody in advance, you know, organizing food, organizing where they're going to stay, all those things. At this time, there's a large crowd traveling with Jesus, you know, and he's going up there. This isn't his first time to this area. The Samaritans are kind of an interesting people. When we talked about, like in Ezekiel, where God's face was against them and they were taken off into judgment for their sins and everything else, that remnant that was left generally ended up this group of Samaritans, this group of people where they were Jewish people that were left in the land, 
but over time had married off to foreigners and other religious people, and they had this kind of weird mix of Judaism and these religions. They had their own mountain they believed to worship, not in Jerusalem. They kind of had this um, perverted, I guess, or, or, yeah, perverted or tainted version of, of, of the Bible, of the Old Testament, the Messiah. Now, Jesus had been here before. He came here and he met a woman at the well, who in the middle of the day, who was really, in a sense, hiding out from society, and God came to her, and there were many from that that began to follow Jesus in this area of Samaria. And very much like you'll see in Jerusalem, there's leaders in these villages, and they don't like Jesus, because we like to worship on this mountain. He came in and said all the mountains are gone. Now he's coming in, he's not just coming, he's coming on his way to Jerusalem, which we don't think people should be going to Jerusalem anyways, And last time he came in, he had all these converts. And in their mind, converts to anything else or even Judaism, hey, you know, this guy's a front to what we believe. It's real interesting to see here you have this picture, if you would, of the world. And we know the Jewish people rejected him, but here's the world rejecting him before even then as he comes in. And so you have these people who who have these issues, who, who also are very racist, not that just the Jews were racist to the Sumerians, but the Sumerians were racist to the Jewish people. And, and racism, I mean, in the world exists all over the place, way beyond color and skin. I mean, in Jerusalem today, you, you're religious and what you believe divides them greatly. You know, and so you have him and he's coming in and here you have this scene laid out. And the, so they reject him and in verse 54... And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire down from heaven and consume them as, just as Elisha did? Hey, we got this bright idea. We're going to take care of them, Lord. You know, man, these, these two guys, I, I get a kick out of it, right? It's like James and John, the, you know, called the sons of thunder, you know. You look at them, you know, if one's a first martyr, one, one John, you know, passes away at the end, and they're kind of, if you would, the two bookends of the disciples. But at this point, you look at them, and I'm wondering if, if Peter and the rest of the 12 are sitting there going, man, we should have thought of that. You know, like, you don't, you don't see any argument from the other. Peter doesn't stick his foot in his mouth here and goes, no, we shouldn't, you know. And if you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was Peter, James, and John, right? Before this, what were they arguing with? Who's the greatest? Right? So can you see how that argument might have ended? You think they stopped arguing after Jesus said that? No. What happened is, hey, obviously we're three are his favorite because he took us up to the mountain, just to let you guys know. So it's between Peter, James, and John here, obviously. And there's only his right hand and his left hand. There's only a front, one front seat, guys. No. You know, there's only his right hand and his left hand. And um, Peter... If you don't want us to tell these other guys what you did, you need to just step back here. So it's going to be me and my brother here, or we'll let them know what you, what that God spoke from heaven and corrected you up on that mountain there. And, you know, I mean, right? So obviously, hey, we're, we're not just, we're, we're better the special three here because we went up there and we were the ones that didn't get corrected. I mean, so, so they, they're next in line to get corrected. You know, they jump up, you know, okay, here's the two new spokesmen. You know, and, and they, they get there and they, you know, they throw this out there. But Jesus responds and says, But he turned and rebuked them, saying, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. It, it, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, um, not interesting. It, I guess it's telling, and it's very telling sometimes of us when, you know, you, you, don't, you respond without slowing down and praying or thinking before you talk, which I've never done that. Don't ask Heidi. But, you know, you, you, you say something and you realize, you know, it's like, did you, did you even think of what heart that's coming from? I mean, these guys are thinking, yeah, God, we got your back. Man, we have it. I mean, they're very confident in their, I mean, a little while later, you guys were having a problem casting a demon out of a kid. Now you're going to call fire down from heaven. That's bold. I mean, right, that's a step. Hey, you know, Elijah did it. You know, how about we just call it a fire down from heaven? They didn't ask God, do you want us you should do this. They said, hey, we'll do it for you, Lord. I mean, that's pretty bold, you know? And he sits there and he turns around and he rebukes them and says, you don't even know what manner of spirit you are of. You don't know where that comes from. And really, if you look at our heart and our situation, it's only one of two spirits. 
Either it is the Spirit of God working in you or it is not. You know, when they wanted earlier and they're saying, hey, this other guy is casting demons out in your name. You don't should have anything to do with it. Wait a minute. Was he working in the Spirit of God or not? If he's working and he's serving in the Spirit of God, it doesn't matter if he's part of your group or not. If the Holy Spirit is with that person, they're on your side. They're with you. And, and you don't know what... You don't even know what's going on here. You guys have totally missed it. And, and you're not even of the right spirit. You're of the totally wrong spirit. You're totally contradictory to what God's trying to do here. You know, and, and if your heart is wrong, a loving thing to happen when your heart is off is to be rebuked. You know, I don't know about you guys. You guys like rebuke? No, I don't like rebuke either. But here, look at, look at Hebrews 12.5 says, My son... Do not despise chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. For you endure chastening, God deals with you as a son. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? And when you look at that, and, and it's not not something fun, but something that should be part of your Christian walk. You should get rebuked by God. We might want to call it conviction. You know, you should wake up in the morning and, and open the Word of God, and God should rebuke you throughout your week. You should get convicted. You should get corrected. Because He loves you. If you have a relationship with Him, He's going to be faithful to do that. And you might fight Him on it. You know, and, and the scripture even continues in Hebrews and says, if you read that whole section, it's awesome. It says, you know, so that, again, that's Hebrew 12, if you want to read it later. But it says also, hey, it's not joyful, it's painful. Wait, I, I'm confused. What you're telling me is God wants me to spend time with him, and the experience might be not joyful, but painful? Yeah, that's exactly what we're saying. Oh, man, that, you know. Scare some people. Don't say that from a pulpit. People leave. Anyways, but if you leave, then i got to leave too because I'm convicted too. I don't like that. It's not fun, but it's the truth. And, and the amazing thing is when you, when you look at it and hear God lovingly rebukes them, he's telling them, hey, you, you don't know what you're saying. Consider it. Slow down. And he doesn't say, you know, I can't believe you guys thought that. How dare you? He, he's not like sitting there shocked and surprised. Right? I, I, you know, I always I, I kind of joke around over the years, you know, you, when you get there and you listen to people and they come in, man, can you believe such and such did this? And you're like, well, they're not saved. They're in the world. They're in Hollywood. I, I'm surprised it took this long, not to be mean, but, right, what do you expect? They're not believers. They're seeking off the world. Can you believe my early... Yeah, I can, but she's a role model. Why did you have her as a role model? What was, what was a good role model there? What do you... You know, that's what that world produces, and you're surprised by it. You know, and you look at these things, and, and, and if anything, you shouldn't be shocked. You should be saddened. Take, take it with reality, you know, in those senses. And, and even then, it's not like Jesus is shocked by these things. He loves them. You know, and in verse 56, it says, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. The sad thing is those people missed out on God. Here Jesus is heading to the cross at this time. They reject him. They missed him. He went to another place. You know, just, I'm going to go on to another place. But he didn't come to destroy lives. He came to save them. These guys are sitting there, and their thought is, hey, we're going to take these people out. Let's destroy them. And Jesus is going, I'm going to lay my life down in their place. I'm going to go be destroyed and take their sin and I'm going to lay it down. They're rejecting me. I'm going to go pay for it in a minute. That's what's coming. What you talk about, you guys don't know what manner of spirit you're in. You're, you're actually totally contrary to what's going on here. You know, it's one thing not to get something. But, you know, when you show up to English class and you're just not figuring it out, and you go up to the teacher and you bust out your math book, it's like, what's that for? Well, I'm trying to learn English. They're like, dude, you got the wrong, you got the wrong book. They're just, they don't know where they're at. They're in a different, you know, they're, they're not even in the ballpark. They're not playing the same game, you know, they, they just don't get it. And it's like you want to shake them and wake them up. You know, and here Jesus is sitting there and he goes, hey, 
He knew he's going to be there. He knew he's going to be saving him. He's going to know he's going to be laying his life down for those people. The grace. You know, and, and it's one of those things we can get in the same situation. We look at a situation. We don't pray about it. We respond. You know, if you, some situations you get in, you don't have a lot of time to respond, I understand. But before you speak, especially on that half, behalf of God's word and what he's saying, take time and slow down and respond. God, what do you want me to say? What's your word say in this situation? Because it is so easily to be in the wrong book. Suddenly you open up the book of the world. You know, I've heard this said, you know, I don't know if it was a Bible or I was watching Oprah, but no, don't go there. They're the different books. They're a whole different world. You know, and you sit there and you look at these things and we've we got to examine ourselves. And, and the Holy Spirit really is faithful to, to rebuke us. And, and what's, what's, what's interesting, even, even like rebuking or correction with a child, you know, when you correct a little child and, and they're young, you know, it's as simple as, I mean, you, you ever hear this, there's this kid dying. Before you have kids, you'll, you'll see a kid dying right, in the middle of a grocery store. They're, they're definitely dying. That parent's got to be horrible to let their child scream and throw a fit like that. You know, I, I remember you, you see them walking through the parking lot and they got them held by one hand with the groceries. Like, I'm never going to do that. That could dislocate their shoulder. Tell your parent. And you realize that asphalt taught the kids screaming up a storm, you know, and why are they dying? Because they couldn't have that toy. It's the end of the world. You know, oh, oh gosh, that poor child, you just destroyed him. How horrible of a parent for not buying him candy or, or, you know, or that toy they wanted, which was probably, you know, possibly something can hurt him, you know. And, and the things, things kids cry over, you know, it's like, there's been a couple of times I love my children, but I've laughed. It's like, you're really going to throw a fit over if you can grab that hot pot off the stove while it's burning hot. Really. Like, you are so lucky I don't say, go ahead. No, I mean, right? <laughs> you, you, and it's like they're throwing a fit over. It's like, do you, do you even know the harm I'm keeping you from? And you're cursing me for it. You know, not necessarily curse words, but in the most I know. And, and, and we're all prone to this. I mean, I, I've, I've been told I don't remember. And I think I figured out eventually why I don't remember. When I was a child, I used to throw a fit and I'd slam myself down on the floor. And so I probably don't remember because I slammed myself down on the floor once too many times too hard. <laughs> you know, concussion or something. You know, I, I, I just heard stories. You know, I guess at my grandma's house, she had a tile floor. I learned pretty quick. So I throw the whole fit, and then I go back slow on her floor. Because it hurt. I, you know, I'm a smart kid. Now, but you know what I mean? They're throwing a fit. But at the same time, you know, I, I love the examples of children in the Bible because many times we're this way. I, you know, you see people and they, they come in and they want to justify, but, you know, I know it's a loaded gun, but can I just play with it? I mean, th there's at least 50% of the time it's p pointing away from me. I mean, I haven't found the trigger yet. I haven't lost any arms. I, I'm not generally around crowded areas, so I don't think I'm going to really pass. I could hurt somebody else, but I doubt it. You know, I've entered into the situation that's sin that's totally destructive. I know it's totally destructive, but, you know, I just, I, I just really want to do it, you know. And I think, you know, God wants me to be happy. Could you imagine that conversation? You have your little child come up to you with a loaded gun and go, don't you want me to just be happy? Why would you take this away and not make me happy? I mean, don't, I, mean I, really, I really feel this brings joy to my life. But we, we can do that with arguments with God. But God, this thing in my life, I know, I know you said it's wrong and this and this and I'm doing it my way and I'm, I, I've decided me, myself, and this is more important than you and Lord and I'm going to put this first before you and it's not going to destroy me. You know, I, 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 I've seen other people get hurt by this, but not me. You know, I got a special talent. I mean, from, no, it's destructive. We need to take those things serious. And a loving father is going to rebuke you. A loving father is going to be rebuke you. We are not to pass eternal judgment on somebody, ever. There is nobody that's ever passed the point of God's grace in any situation. But, as believers, if your brother or your sister in the Lord is holding a loaded gun at their head... 
you know, you know, we don't want to judge not, not lest you be judged. No, God is going to judge. Right? And, and guess what? You're going to be judged, and you're going to be judged if you sit there and watch it happen. Don't say something. That's unloving. The world wants to say, oh, no, you can't judge me because that's unloving. No, judging you and telling you, it's unloving. Telling a two-year-old you're standing in the middle of the street, you're going to get hit by a car is loving. Giving them a popsicle and telling them, I hope they have a nice day. I'm glad you've, you know, I know it's the path you chose. No, it's dangerous. It leads to destruction. Be honest with those around us. The Bible gives us scripture after scripture. And many times we'll see sins, well, we'll just look the other way. I don't want, I'm, I'm just not going to, you know, I'm going to drive down the road and I see a little kid middle of the road. I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not going to say, hey, what's going on with that? Let me encourage you. Let's look at the Word of God. You know, oh, you know what? Oh, let's go over there. Yeah, you know, I'm sure God would be okay with you. He loves you anyways, you know. God's a loving God. You know, he'll, you know there's His grace, and we'll just, you know, or better yet, we join in it. <laughs> well, you know, your justification of it sounds good. And if you're getting away with it, maybe I can too. The Scripture's very clear against those things, and when you look at it and you go through, I mean... Um, in Galatians 1, Luke, uh, like here, here example, Luke 17.3 says, Take heed to yourself. Warning. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he, if he repents, forgive him. Now, he sinned against you. I mean, we don't, we don't go around um, running around pointing out everybody's sin. This is, they've sinned against you directly. Right? But if you see, you know, there's, there's obvious situations where you step in. I think there's, there's great wisdom in knowing when you have a re- relationship and there's going to be benefit from that. If I walked up to a child I don't know and I spanked that child, what do you think the outcome's going to be? Some mean man just beat me for no reason. I mean, it doesn't matter. Now, if I walk up to a strange child who's about to jump in front of a car and I pull him out of the way and say, where's your parents, what you doing? That mean man grabbed my arm. I'll take that justification because it was going to end his life. But if I have a relationship with a child, like my own children or other brothers in Christ, where I can have that influence in somebody's life and they know me, they know my heart, and I can come up to them and say, hey, that's a dangerous situation. We have that relationship. I can lovingly come alongside them. They know what heart that comes from. My child, when I'm spanked them, doesn't think I'm some evil person. They don't like it, but they know it's because, you know what? God, God loves me. He can spank me. Tim, my dad loves me. I know I don't like this. I might disagree with it, but he's doing it because he loves me. And so those situations, if there's a brother that's wronged you, go up to him, ask him, rebuke him, say, hey, that... That wasn't right. That was wrong. And if he repents, forgive him. Now this next part's fun. Next part of that part in Luke there, Luke 4, or uh, 17, chapter 17, verse 4 says, and if he sins against you seven times in that day, and seven times that day returns and says to you, I repent, you shall still forgive him. Oh, ouch, that sucks. Right? (laughs) Like, you might choose a new friend. No. But there's a point of not being dumb. I mean, if somebody comes over and I, you know, if I walk up and I smack you in your face, I say, forgive me, and I smack you, you move your head, duck. I mean, walk out of the room, you know, use some wisdom there, you know. But at the same time, that should be our heart. You know, you can promptly call the police on me and say, this guy keeps hitting me. He needs to get arrested for abuse. And when I'm getting in the police car, go, bro, I love you and I forgive you for it. You can forgive somebody and still have justice, <laughs> you know. But you look at those things, and, and that's where we sit. And that's at the role in that sense as believers to believers and being loving, you know. And then even the leaders in the church, the church as a body has a different. There's the, when you go through Scripture and you look at those things, the church functions different with sin in that area. There's a, there's a calling from the leadership on how to deal with sin and people that continue to deal with sin. And we're not, that could be a whole Bible study in itself. But as brothers, we should be willing to call each other out lovingly and willing to bear with them. 
you know, and be willing to sacrifice. There's the other aspect of it. Hey, bro, you know, just wanted to, you know, say you shouldn't be hanging out in bars and drinking. Well, you know, I really get lonely and I'm going through a lot. Well, that's nice. Have a nice day. How about, okay, well, you know, you get that way. Here's my number. Well, you get paid on Friday and that's when you kind of get lonely and stuff's going on. How about, how about you come have dinner at my house? Or how about I come over and pick you up? How about I lay down some of my life to help you out with that? Just to be there with you. And so we continue on. And we look at now, Jesus kind of brings up as he's talking here and as they're journeying, what the cost of discipleship is or what discipleship really looks like to follow him soberly. Not just to follow him by our heart and in our desires and, and just try to um, fake along in many senses. But if you're going to seek God and you're going to follow him and you're going to make that choice of going, okay, I'm going to be in the right spirit and I'm going to follow the Lord, what does that look like? And in verse 57, it says, 57 says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. I'll follow you wherever you go. I, I like the, the King James on that. It's got this word it's, we, we don't use it anymore. It, it says, uh, with, with whoever, or, 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 oh gosh, it's so hard to pronounce. But, but it's like the connotation, not when, 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 with, soever. So like, wherever you go, whenever you go, at any time. It's like all the time. 100% of the time. And also, the negative that's true. So where you don't go, I won't go. All right, a lot of us are willing to follow God, but we like to go a lot of places he don't go, right? Like, I'll follow you, Lord, and I'll serve you, but as long as I get to do these other things too still. Oh, oh, oh wait a minute. And he's like, hey, I'll follow you wherever you'll go. And Jesus doesn't say that. No, you ain't going to be able to do that. Good luck with that. No, he he continues on and he says, And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Nowhere to lay his head. That term lay his head or rest his head is one other time that I could find when you do a word study on that. And that is when he's on the cross and he says, It is finished. And he bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. That's the same word. He laid his head and gave up his spirit. There is no rest in this. The, the, there isn't, this isn't home. And we shouldn't be trying to make it home. We shouldn't be comfortable in this world or in your body. Your flesh nature shouldn't make you comfortable. Be home with it. Many times growing up, I tried to, you know, wanted to be spiritually alive and try to make sure my flesh was happy with it. No, it ain't going to be happy with it. It ain't going to like it. And, and I cannot wait to that day when I can rest. When this man of sin, this flesh is done. What an awesome thought, right? Isn't that going to be so cool? And then the cool thing is, we get to all be in heaven, and that flesh is gone, and we get to hang out. Now tell me, that ain't going to be a fun time, right? Like, whew. Our sin nature is going to be gone and we get to hang out. And you know how sweet that's going to be? It's already sweet hanging out with you guys, but man, you're going to like me a lot more. No. <laughs> uh, and so you see that, and, and it's amazing to see. And hey, count the cost to follow after Christ, to really follow after him. There, it isn't a life of comfort. There is suffering and sacrifice to be like Christ. And it's awesome. It's amazing. It'll be the best thing you ever do. Because what's the other thing if you count the cost? The Bible says if the man who wishes to gain his life will lose it. So either I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to be giving up my life every day, and as I lose my life for his sake, I'm going to gain life, or I can try to hold on to it and lose it all anyways. That's the truth of it. Nobody wants to believe that, though. You know, you know how many people you can talk to in this world that have, you know, think they got it all figured out? Don't tell them, hey, bro, you're losing your life. What? How dare you? You see all the stuff I got. How much do you make? I mean, I have all this influence. You know. Not that I've ever done that. 
lovingly. I've not ever done that. Let's just put it that way. But, you know, you look at these things, and, and it's amazing. And as he goes through, he says again, in verse 59, it says, and he said, and, and he said to another, follow me. So there's one ask him, right? One approaches him and says, hey, I want to follow you. Cool. He sees another one, and he's there, and a, a guy following along, and he, and he actually asks him, hey, follow me. That's cool. One guy's asking for it. Did he say it was impossible? No. This other one, he asked to follow him. Guess what that means? Jesus isn't saying, here, follow me so I can tell you how you're going to fail and you can't. I'm, no, God doesn't do that. He's not just here, oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's not like... Not like some of these guys I know that are on skateboards and like, here, try this, knowing you're just going to fall on your face. You know? Here, do this. Follow me. No. I'm no good with a skateboard. Or, or whatever it is, you know. But you look at that, and he, so he says, follow me. And the guy responds, Jesus probably knowing what's going on in this heart, and he says, but, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And and Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, at first in our culture, that seems like, ouch, man, the guy's dad passed away, and you're not going to let him go to the funeral even? I mean, no. In this culture, that's saying, hey, let me wait. When I retire and I have some money, then I'll come follow you. Let me get my finances in order. Because in that time, you were, as a son, subject to your father, especially if you're your older father. Your money, your inheritance, your wealth, your job, all that was from your father. When he passes away, now you have your own money, and you get your portion of the inheritance, and you move on. Remember the story of the prodigal son. When he said, hey, I want to leave now, my portion of the money, what he was actually saying to his dad is, I'm wishing you were dead. I want to act as if you were already dead, and I want my half, and I want to go. So that's what it's talking about. He's going, hey, you know, maybe even, you know, we don't know how old his father is, how long his father's going to be. This could have been years, you know. I, I want to follow you, Lord, but first I've got to get these other things in my life. I want to make sure these things are taken care of. There. And Jesus is interesting. He isn't, he isn't talking about zombies here. Let the dead bury the dead. He's talking spiritually. The things of the world are dead. They, there's no value there. There's no life there. But in you, go and preach the kingdom. Go and preach life. Go and live. Go and share life. Instead of being dead, go and share life. That's what he's asking him to do. Follow me and do this. What an exhortation for us. What an encouragement, right? We were being told, hey, come follow me. And you go, but Lord, I, you know, I don't know if I can afford to just do these things and this and that. Don't worry about it. Let, the, let those dead things deal with it themselves. You just come preach life. And many times, I don't, you know, you guys ever get prompted by the Lord to lead or serve in a certain way in your first, how can I afford to do that, Lord? Ooh, I'm guilty of that. I know, I just got rebuked, right? I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm glad you get rebuked with me. Because God loves us, you know, and you sit there and you look at these things and let the dead bury their dead. You know what's first? And it continues on, and we see the next verse here. Change the page here in verse 61. We have this kind of I, I like the way Joe Fouch that it, he goes, You you have an outbreak here of me first. Right? It's like this disease starts to go around. Me first, me first, me first, instead of Lord first. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first. Go and bid well farewell to my, to my house. You know, let me, let me go tell these people, God, I'm not going to go bury my parents, but let me just, you know, at least go shore some things up, take care, you know, I'm willing to go. Man, if they only knew where Jesus was headed. What, what if this person took off? Well, I went back to see my family. What's going on in Jerusalem? I don't know. Then the news comes. What happened? I wasn't there. I didn't see. I wasn't. I missed this time with him. Oh, you know how many times we put delay? God's returning. He's coming back. If you look at prophecy in the last hundred years, it's very, 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 very now possible. Mark on your forehead or hand just buy and sell goods with. A hundred years ago, they would have looked at you like you were nuts. Now, well, that kind of makes sense, actually. I know it's a mark and a sign of bad things to come or the sign of end time things, but that makes sense, right? How's it? Really hard to rob somebody's head and take it through a grocery store line. Just saying. Right? 
yeah, I'd like to, you know, Zed had stolen, I mean. <laughs> Didn't Christ make it a lot harder? And we're headed that way. But you look at it and you look at the time. The time is now. And Jesus answered to him and said, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, we don't know who's being talked about here. Was this other disciples or with us some of the twelve? They're already, hey, your hand's put to the plow. You're already doing the work. This is somebody doing the work. And going, well, wait a minute. Before we keep going here, I need to go back this way. I keep, you know, what, what about this? What about this over here? When you're plowing a field, because I know you guys always do this, when you guys are out there in your backyard plowing a field, you know that you have to look off a ways and you kind of set a point out a distance to like a tree. For some of you, this would be like driving a car. If you haven't learned this, take this advice from me because I'm teaching my kids how to drive. You don't want to look at the end of the hood. You want to look down the road where you're going. If you look at the end of the hood, it's all bad. Just trust me on that one. It's all bad. So same thing when you're plowing a field. If you're constantly doing this when you're plowing a field, you're going to make a mess. Your life is going to look like a mess. If you're serving the Lord and you're constantly going, well, what about this thing, Lord? What about this thing? And you're, and, and you're trying to do both, trying to focus on the things of the world but focus on God, number one, it sucks, frankly. You're going to wear yourself out, and it sucks, and your life is going to be a mess. Your life is going to be a mess. That's what happens. Focus. Keep straight on the Lord. Don't be looking around. You know, you, you see this example, and you, it, just human nature, it, it, we are so foolish, and God is so patient with us. Look at the children of Israel when they left Egypt. They're sitting there, yeah, remember the garlic and the leeks, man, how nice Israel was? I mean, Egypt. Yeah, man, we, we had this food, there's there's pots full of meat, man. Yeah, didn't you forget you were slaves? You're being beat, your babies were being killed. Yeah, but you know, they had good garlic. Nice garlic bread, you know. We kept in shape, you know, there was a lot of uh, exercise. I mean, it's insanity, right? But they did it. You know, Lord, I know I've been saved and you saved me from this, but you know, I just remember when I used to, how awesome that, you know. Do you forget? We, we have really selective memory. You know, not just about how we make ourselves heroes of our own stories, but how bad something was. How miserable it was. You know, and sadly, we, we convey those stories, and many times to our kids and other things, we make the world sound very attractive. And you look back, but when in reality, if you were to seriously just sit back and think on things and go, you know, like I was talking last week with the New Year's, man, every time I look back and I've served the Lord, I do not regret it. There's never been a point go, man, I sacrificed in that situation and this thing or that thing. Boy, I wish I didn't do that. No, never. It's never happened. There's been a lot of times where I wish I would have. Why did I, you know, I thought me, myself first was going to be good in that situation. Boy, was I dumb. Boy, was that stupid. You know, and I, I still do stupid things. You know, things you know that's going to happen. I was, I was closing my dump trailer up. I closed it up how many times? I put my hand in the wrong spot, smashed my finger. To, you know, human nature, we're good at hurting ourselves, doing dumb things we know we shouldn't. The, the worst thing about this was, it's one thing if I'm, you know, in a rush or something and not paying attention. Okay, that's just being absent-minded. That's, that's a talent I have. But I watched it. It's like, like a deer in a headlights thing. And, and I mean, I'm getting in the car. I'm trying not to tear up. And I'm thinking, you idiot. So I think that was God just giving me that so I could share that with you guys, how we're that way. No, I mean, just sit there, you know. So consider the cost. Consider the cost. If you're here and you haven't had a relationship with God, or you're struggling in your relationship, God did not come to destroy you. He didn't come just to save you for heaven when you die. He came to save you and give you life.
Life to the full, now and forever. Anything else is a lie. It's not the truth. He loves you, he wants to protect you, and he wants to take care of you. You know, and, and sadly, you're in a hospital. Many churches are hospital and there's sinners there. And some of these sinners are zealous people that want to call fire down from heaven sometimes. Have grace with them. You know, can you imagine James and John there wanting to take out these Sumerians for direct? And what happened? I didn't hear Peter speak up. What happened? Peter, didn't you, a couple days you're going to deny me three times. You guys are all going to disperse. Isn't that how it goes? You go running around and you start putting your self-righteousness on. The next thing you know, you definitely don't want to be looking in a mirror because that's suddenly what arises. But yet, but yet, because we've all done that. I don't know about you. If you're feeling convicted, I'm glad you're feeling convicted. I'm glad you're feeling rebuked. But let's look at James and John. James, the first to be martyred. John. Man, they try to boil him alive. I heard it said once they weren't able to boil him because they didn't know he was a friar. No. But, oh, I know, cheesy pastor joke. No, but you look at these, these men, a great man God used. Peter, great man of God used. Bold. Was he always that way? No. Why was he that way? Because God was faithful. Very much in our lives, God is faithful. You might look at this and go, man, I've been looking over my shoulder I decided to just go home and take care of their other business. I just went the other direction. You know, I wasn't willing to, you know, or I got in this thing and I didn't realize it was going to cost this much. I didn't really think I was, you know, getting into this. When that pastor said, hey, begin a relationship with Jesus, I thought it sounded good. I didn't know it was going to, wow, this is rougher than I thought. God's called you to it. He's going to give you the strength to do it. Don't look back. God rebukes those whom he loves. What an awesome thing. The God of all creation, who loves you, is willing to keep you safe by pointing out the sin that's going to destroy us because you're his child. You're not his enemy. He's not come to destroy you. You're his child. And again, you can sit here and go, okay, where's your heart in these things? Are we looking back? Where's my heart in these things? Am I looking back? What if I don't? What if I, what if I just, okay, that was a good thing. I'm not going to let God's word examine me each and every day. I'm not going to open up the word of God in my life. I'm, I'll, I'll just come in, church, slip out, in and out when I, when I want, so I feel like I've done my stuff. Or are you going to open the word of God and go, God, search me? What happens if you don't? A man who wishes to gain his life is going to lose it. Nothing good. You're going to make a mess of it. What if you do? You're going to lose your life. But as you lose your life, as your life is poured out, as Peter's were, as Paul was for others, they were singing in prison. They had life. And now they have eternal life. It seems wrong. It seems backwards. But it is the way it works. That's the truth. And what? Yep, so you're going to get rebuked. I don't know about you guys. You guys stoked about going and getting rebuked by God this week? It's going to hurt. It's going to suck in some areas. But guess what? That old man's going to die each and every day more. The harm that would come from me not being rebuked, I should be greater, a greater fear of. Right? If God's pointing something out in my life, it's to save it. Some of you guys, it might be from getting you a bump on your head. For me, it's to save my life. Okay, When I get corrections, it's rarely like, oh yeah, that's a good suggestion, Lord. No, it's to save my life, man. And, and that's, that's, that's the spiritual aspect of it. Forget the physical aspect of the stupid situations I get myself into. I mean, my mom's always said, you know, a legion of angels is going to sigh when I get to heaven. They're going to be sweating and be done. Like, whew, this guy's 
break or taking the next thousand years off. This guy's worn us out. So I love God's word, even when it's heavy and it's, you know, talking about ooh, great fun subjects, seeing men get rebuked, seeing us get rebuked and God convicting us. But because he loves us, he's given us the whole counsel of God's word and we're going to go through the whole book. And guess what? Whatever's there, whatever's in the verses, we're going to teach each and every week. Isn't that awesome? And he's going to speak to us and he's going to change our hearts and we get to do it as a family with people around you that love you. And I've taken a lot of rebuke and I have a lot more to take from him and I can take a lot of encouraging rebuking from you guys when needed. Just beware, I might not like it too much. I'll be, try to be gracious. That's where slow to respond is always good. You know? Especially on texting if you're the president. No, I mean... Anyways, just a thought. Some basic words of wisdom from godly men. Let's close in prayer. And if uh, worship would come up. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do not come to destroy us, but you came to make us your children. That the sin in our lives, the evil in our lives, you came and you removed it and you take it away. And we can come to your feet and ask for forgiveness in your responses I have. That we are your children, that you treat us as your children. Not servants in your kingdom, not slaves, not the enemy, but your children. Your beloved children. We thank you so much for who you are, God. Continue to reveal to us the areas that are going to cause us harm. That are going to cause us around us harm. God, we, we want to be open before you. We want our lives to be open before you. We want you to work. That we would hold nothing back from you. That we would put our total trust in you each and every day. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.